Welcome to Travel Tastemakers, a new podcast hosted by me, Peter Gould, and brought to you by T-Fest, the travel trade event of the future. In my 25 years in the travel industry, I've been a publisher of travel directories, CEO of one of the world's largest hotel consortia, and founder and chairman of Worldwide Events, which is my current position. In traveling around the world to my events, where luxury hotel buyers meet luxury hotel services, I'm lucky enough to talk to some of the most interesting people in this industry. This episode is with Laura Pruta, managing partner of Discover Montenegro. She joined me at Private Luxury Montenegro in October 2019. This is our first Alfresco episode, and it was recorded outside the Naval Museum at Porto Montenegro, where the private luxury event was taking place. You can actually hear it going on in the background. Laura started by telling us a little bit about the history of Montenegro as a tourist destination. So Montenegro, uh, as you know, as all the area here from, let's say, ex-Yugoslavian countries, it came from very difficult period. You know, 1998 was a communist period. There was a war, obviously, everybody knows that. And then it starts to really uh, develop in a completely different way than any other place in Europe, even though it's not still in Europe. They did actually pretty smart choices utilizing already Euro. And this is the first thing. It started to be really on the map of the international tourism uh, thanks to Porto Montenegro, which was the main uh, first. And when was that developed? Uh, that starts in 2012, uh, 2013, I believe. And then, you know, after that... And before that, no, before not much tourism that, here? Before that, it was already... Actually, we still need to reach the numbers that we, it was in 1980s because Sveti Stefan was very famous already at that time. Sofia Loren was here and all the Dolce Vita people were coming here already before the war, so it has a huge history in tourism. Basically, uh, there is uh, also a beach called the King's Beach, yeah. and there is uh, Villa Milocer, which is the place where most of the you know, people of power around here used to go on vacation, so it has a huge history. So that was in the 50s that Sofia was coming here, then, then 60s, there was yeah. the 60s, then the Russian period, Correct. and then it came out and Porto Montenegro, where we are now, yeah. became the start of the next generation. Correct. So what's happened there? What, tell us about Montenegro and what, how it's changed the area, please. So all this area where we are now, and you can also see because we have a huge submarine behind us, it was basically a military base. So all of this, it came from a place which was owned by the government and which was given by this uh, entrepreneur, which starts to, to build Porto Montenegro. Actually, what you, what you see now is just just 30% of what Porto Montenegro will be in a few years. After that, in uh, 2016, Porto Montenegro was acquired by ICD, Investment Corporation of Dubai, which actually came first time with us in the helicopter <laughs> looking at this area, and they were just, you know, amazed about that. They already had some investment because one and all is also part of ICD, same as Emirates, and they just bought the whole thing. So in 2016, it became part of the huge group of ICD. So basically the underlying story is Dubai, which has developed its own tourism industry, selling sunshine rather than oil, is looking to diversify. It seems to have identified Montenegro as a perfect tourist destination and putting a lot of money in here now. Um, is that really the summary of what's going on investment-wise? I mean, I wouldn't link Montenegro just with, you know, Arab yeah. world yeah. or ICD because yeah. you have actually many more players. In this moment, Montenegro, do not forget, is the 
place in Europe with the highest number of investments really? going on. You have one and only resort, you will have Ritz-Carlton, you have a Mann Resort, you have Chedi. So there is not many places in the world, especially in this part of the Adriatic, with so many brands all together. And even though Croatia, for example, is, a, is a developed much before Montenegro, they do not have five-star resorts. So I'm going to send my guest. I'm a travel planner to Montenegro. Okay. So how long should I come for? What we're trying to do, even though you know the company name is Discover Montenegro, is to link the countries because what the people have brought apart, we want to bring together. So we do not fly just to Montenegro. I go on a weekly basis to Sarajevo, which is beautiful, to Mostar, to Dubrovnik, to Kvar Island with the helicopter. So you can actually start from your private yacht in Kvar and get to the Tara Canyon north of the Montenegro in the rafting from your boat in your flip-flop. So, so it's sort of a Dalmatian experience is what, what you're being told. So on Montenegro itself, when you get here, uh, what are the highlights of Montenegro? So we uh, like to push things that usually people do not know much about. For example, north of Montenegro, many people just see this and the coast and the sea because it's obviously easier to reach. But because we are lucky enough to have a helicopter to reach those places, which you usually will need four hours driving, we go in a daily experience, for example, with a guest from Oman Resort to a rafting experience in the north, Tara Canyon, private rafting, uh, private lunch in the forest with the chef just waiting for you with the local people dressed and the local cheese. You know, I really would like to say that apart from the respect of the environment that we want to have because Montenegro is the only ecological state in the world, we you have five national parks, you know, you have the biggest lake in Europe and the biggest canyon in Europe. I mean, where else you can find that? So it's lovely to hear about your off-the-beaten-track ideas, but for those who don't know Montenegro so much, what are the, the more highlights that they would traditionally go to? What are the big places to see? Okay, so starting from the bay, you have two UNESCO heritage sites just here in Boca Bay. One is Perast and one is Kotor. So this is the must-see, obviously, once you get here, Tivat Airport, Podgorica or Dubrovnik, whatever the case is, to have probably base in your hotel, for example, in Peras or Porto Montenegro, obviously, I mean, without upsetting anybody, okay. but it really is uh, the bay and is the southernmost fjord in Europe. Yeah. So you can actually see on the other side of this mountain behind you a huge drop from almost 1,000 meters to the sea and all these little villages develop in a Venetian style and all the restaurants which you can easily approach with your boat and can be completely privatized. I mean... What are the influences of Montenegrin culture? I can't work out if it's Greek or if it's Italian. They had, uh, you know, mixed past. There was a Turkish here, there were Italian, you know, all the Venetian were here on this part of the coast. And obviously slaves, uh, let's say, Slavish culture from you know Serbian and Russia, so it's actually a mix of all of them. And in terms of culture, what I can say is that they have, let's say, the welcoming attitude of the Italian. They have a style of the Venetian, and they have the roughness of the Russians when it comes <laughs> to do something. <laughs> okay, so the Greeks didn't get a mention there. Oh, the, um, I, I saw no, the dancing going on. not so on. much. Uh, okay, Maybe a little bit above the coffee break and the. Yes. And so, where do you see Montenegro going? I mean, it's been a. It's mainly a destination that I think the, the main inbound tourists are Russian currently. There was, and, yes. And where do you see it going as it grows? Uh, what markets do you think uh, they're going to be targeting here? So we have obviously a lot of Russians because they do not need visa, because we are not in Europe, so this is one of the advantages. We have a lot of Americans, a lot of English people. The German market is growing a lot, let's say high-end market, because in Croatia you have a lot of 
less uh, high-end German customers, to, to say the, the real market that we're really targeting now is the uh, UK, because we have a lot of connection to Tivat Airport on daily basis in the summer, and the American market, we have a direct flight to Dubrovnik, and that's why our main uh, service is the shuttle service from Dubrovnik to Tivat in 15 minutes, and you will need, when the border is busy, and it's really tiny border, up to five hours with the car, so Elier, Monaco, Montenegro is happening here. So, so <laughs> I, I guess, when they take a helicopter do they miss the border do the border trip you deal with it when people get on board and get off board so yeah yeah and, and i mean tiva airport i mean i it, it for montenegro is beautiful i've been here twice yeah the weather's great the people yeah. are great the food is great the scenery is breathtaking yeah but tiva airport is not at the same level as everything else. Uh, no. What's going on there? Any plans? You're yes. in the air industry? Be yes, yes. Know. I mean, last week they opened the tender for finally give this place for external people to manage. So we were all waiting for that for many years. Now it happened. So it's going to be still owned by the government, but some external company will take care of. Any investment in the airport itself, the infrastructure? They need to just do a new one. This is Any plans for that? Yeah, this is going, so now this is obviously a very long process. First part of the process is that somebody needs to apply for the long-term okay, lease. I got it. So, we're going to get a new airport in Montenegro at some point in the not-too-distant future. Next, I wanted to ask Laura why planners should choose Montenegro over the other possible European destinations. So, it depends on which destination exactly do you want to compare Montenegro with with but let's say I would compare it with Monaco because it's the most you know similar on this environment especially Porto Montenegro so when you go to Monaco now for example you know you can just find you know I do not want really to upset anybody but you can just find really bunch of uh, services which are there for many years which are obviously now very old style the price is going upper and upper and upper and you cannot find for example empty corner where to sit with your wife and have a normal coffee without paying it 20 euro and you cannot find a family which welcomes you in their own restaurant and you are the only guest there and you cannot find a place where you can actually organize a lunch in the middle of the forest with the private chef and everything else for less than crazy amount of money so here you still have a reasonable prices you still have products that you can actually use for a zero kilometer kind of uh, you know products when you when you also come to to gastronomy uh, to the local service so for me everything that Monaco is becoming now, I'm just taking it as an example, but other destination is everything else that Montenegro is not. So unicity, authenticity, local people which will tell you, which will tell you their stories and really somebody that, uh, that genuinely is welcoming you, not just you know, looking on how much your shoes cost or how much is your watch cost. You, know, you can come here in flip-flop, you can come here with private jet and they will welcome you in the same way. Hi, I'm Emily Brooks, and I'm the Director of Sales for Private Luxury Events. I want to tell you about our new event, T-Fest, the unmissable new global luxury travel festival powered by AI matchmaking technology to give you more time to connect with the people who really matter. Meet the world's most influential buyers and sellers in luxury travel. We've combined the best things about larger trade shows and intimate networking events to create a vibrant new festival format that's the best of both worlds large in scale, but still personal. Be part of the global gathering for the best and the bold. Book your spot now by searching T-Fest AI. 
Montenegro is a beautiful country, but it's also a small country with a population of only around 600,000. I asked Laura whether the country had the infrastructure to cope with the large influx of tourists. So the infrastructure is a real weak point of this area. If you think that there is just one road from Dubrovnik till Greece that everybody needs to pass to, it's just crazy. But now they're working on it. There is already a huge project in the north with Chinese company. They're building a highway to connect even Tirana, Montenegro to Belgrade. There are other side projects which are we're talking about, like for example, a big uh, bridge on the bay there to connect the Dubrovnik side to the Montenegro side. So there are talks and projects. How long does it going to take? I don't know, but this is obviously the weak point for us. You know, we do helicopters. We're quite happy about that. So <laughs> <laughs> it's also something the that. Longer it takes. <laughs> <to do that. laughs> no, but now apart from the jokes, it's definitely important, especially for people that you know not everybody flies helicopter. But the, the roads and the traffic in the summer, it is an issue. I mean, I cannot lie, but it's also something that is keeping the country a little bit close from the mass tourism, and this also we like. I have to say, having been to the country in both May and October, I didn't experience any difficulties with the infrastructure, but I can imagine in August, it could be a bit of a nightmare. So if you do come, I asked Laura to talk us through an ideal 10-day itinerary for the region. So I would start from uh, Split. I would take our 42-meter sailing boat, Rihanna, and sail through the islands of Quar, Vis, Lastovo, uh, Korčula, all the way till Dubrovnik. I will spend maybe a couple of days in a beautiful hotel in Dubrovnik, you know, eating uh, local food. We have also two Michelin star restaurants for who likes that in Dubrovnik. And then after that, connect uh, with a nice helicopter, 15 minutes tour, maybe to Amman Resort or to Porto Montenegro region, whatever the case is. And then uh, connect this with the north of Montenegro in some daily experience there. And then depending on the taste, you have also, you know, 12 kilometer beach just across uh, the border with Albania where you can go kite surfing or, you know, quad biking on the beach or not in the summer though, but in certain, in certain moments. And then maybe you can even link with Mostar, you know, it's 45 helicopter flight to Mostar, Sarajevo, and you can really see uh, what Bosnia is also like. It's one of the biggest virgin forests in all the Europe. So you have plenty of things to do, really. I would say 10 days, maybe you can link seven days cruise with another week, maybe in between uh, Montenegro, Bosnia and Albania. Also Tirana is a very interesting town. Would okay. you do it all on the boat or would you... Go? I would stop with the boat in Dubrovnik and then continue with the helicopter to Montenegro and then obviously do something else around Montenegro and, uh, and uh, Tirana also is something interesting, well, but I would Tirana, do more... That, which country is that? Albania. Albania. Okay. Let's say from Split to Tirana you have you plenty go. of There's things. There's the route. Yeah. Thank you. So there you have it, there's the route, split to Tirana. A huge thank you to Laura for sharing her time with us and talking us through how to discover Montenegro. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be very grateful if you helped us by subscribing and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen to it and by sharing it with your colleagues.